John Tortorella leaves the bench, goes to the high hide and the locker room to watch the Flyers. What's going on with that? Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 148 of Orange and Back Check. And if you did not get the high hide movie reference, you're too young for this podcast. That's all I'm going to say. Scott, can you take a guess at what that movie was? Slapshot, correct? No, no, not even close. You go in the high hide. You go up and you hide. No, I, I. It's a sequel movie. It's a sequel movie. It's a movie to a classic in the early 1990s. The high hide. Oh, right. Home Alone 2? No. Jurassic Park 2, The Lost Don't really World. remember that many quotes from that, those movies. It's not a, it's not a good then movie. Then why would you quote it, Bill? Why John would you start the episode because, quoting a movie that be, nobody freaking watches? Because because John Tortorella decided to leave the bench this, these last couple of games and say, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I'm out and hit in the high hide. He right. stood up in the press box uh, again with Danny Briere evaluating the team. As and answer Alley as he I, likes I don't, to call it. According to uh, you know, uh, yeah, to, uh, the Charlie O'Connor's article. I didn't think I didn't think much of this. I thought it was just exactly what he said. Uh, given the guys like that are are his assistants, a uh, more coaching reps, a real coach feel for coaching rep rep uh, representation, and just kind of like doing his thing, stepping away. Uh, and then John Bucigross decided to tweet, "Is John Tortorella the next Flyers president or something like that?" And look, I don't think that's going to happen. I think like that would be a huge mistake. Uh, you have a solid guy for the most part. Uh, he comes with his flaws, but in John Tortorella, he's he's best behind the bench. He's not a president. He's just kind of he should be focused on the game. Like that's really what it comes down to. But uh, in the theme of things are changing all over the place with the Flyers, uh, I also wouldn't be shocked if like on July second they randomly said, "Oh, by the way, Tortorella is the now." also the president of the team no you're not going to be coach and president of the team this isn't the 70s anymore you know that that, that rarely is going to happen you're not going to pull a lou lamorelli when you're president of hockey ops general manager and coaching the team for a while there too just it's not going to happen anymore so i i'm not putting any stock into that i think the what what i believe is happening and I, i get it is that you when you're up in the press box the game moves slower it moves a lot slower than when you're down on the ice on the ice when you're down at the ice level you don't really realize how fast it's moving like for instance let me give you an example like when you're up in the 200 level of the wells fargo center or you're in the press box and you're watching the game it looks slow because you're seeing the whole play develop you could see more of the ice things happening you're more play centric you can kind of see how things are happening so like personally when i go to games and as a spectator I like sitting in the 200 level because I like seeing the whole play develop. I like seeing the backdoor plays. I like seeing the whole cover. I prefer to watch the game that way. But when you're down on the on the bench, especially on the bench, you're more puck-centric. You're more watching where the puck is. And believe me, when I tell you it moves fast, it's fast. Even at, like, when you're playing, when you're doing it at, like, um, at like uh, younger levels and stuff like that. or yeah, I was going to yeah, say but, exactly that. Like, I, I was at the the uh, regional final game going into to, for the uh, Frozen Four for Penn State, Michigan, uh, a couple weeks back up in Allentown. And we were only 10 rows back of the ice. And that is, even at that level, 
where you can tell it's amateurism. There's still very raw in talent, even uh, prospects that are going into the NHL. I mean, it moves so fast. And it's it's only gotten faster over the last 15, 17, 16 years. Like, it's just is otherworldly. And even so, like, around the corner from here, they have the NAHL. They have the Philadelphia Rebels there. You know, and I took my kid over one time to watch a game. And, you know, you can go behind the glass there and just watch. It's just small crowds. Like, you know, there's not many, there's not a lot of people there. But you watch behind the glass and you're watching it. And they're fast, man. It's fast. You know, and like, it's pretty crazy when you see that puck come at me as a goalie watching it from that angle, watching it fly off the stick and going high and, and hitting the glass. And you're what, tracking the puck going over. You're, you're like, man, that thing just comes off just so quick. It just, you know, how fast they move it. I'll tell you what the crazy thing is about at ice level, what people don't understand, is that as they're moving so fast, but they're also people processing the game so fast. So like as you move up, it gets slower and slower and slower because you're seeing more of the ice and what's happening. So you're kind of like, oh, I did not see that guy, that sort of thing. So, you know, that's the thing is that there's a sort of different perspective there. But Torrell is really up there to kind of see what players aren't going to be around next season. Like that that's exactly why he's up there. It's not about the, watching the game at a slower pace. He's not president. He's not going to be assistant GM. He's not going to be anything other than player uh, for, than head coach. But he's telling Briere, like, yeah, Kevin Hayes, get him out of here. Like, I don't know what. You, yeah, what you like he was do. saying when he like, came into the season. Provorov, like, like these guys are like he is showing Danny who doesn't he needs to be told not told. I shouldn't say told, but he needs to get the perspective of the coach in why these players add no valuable value anymore to this team as they look to subtract as we talked about it last week addition by subtraction that's the first thing that this team's going to do and there's going to be quite a few players that were uh that they're going to be on well, here's here's perspective here for you you know when you're a gm or you're a scout or something like that you're not watching nice level you're watching from the second level you're watching from the press box you're watching the game at a high angle you're not down there because it could be certain things where like you could watch that and be like you know like tortorella said when you know and he started when his opening press conference with Kevin Hayes, you know, there's more there. You know what I mean? That's perspective. Of, you know, like it, it, I, they might look at that up top and be like, you know, Hayes isn't bad, playing bad. And Tortorella would be like, yeah, but during the game, he's doing this, 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 and this, this. You can point out specific things and stuff like that. So I think it's actually really, really good that a coach would go up to the second level and say, hey, you know, this is what I need in order to get this team to the next level. This is what it needs because you might be seeing this, but this is what's really happening. And I think that when you're talking about a play, like a, a GM like Danny Briere, who played the game at that ice level for many, many years of his life, there's a different perspective that comes across than someone like Chuck Fletcher, who is watching the game from more far. There, there really is a difference when you're coming down from being a player who played the, the game specifically and, and being a guy and someone who just was around it and above it most of the time. So I think it's actually really going to be a really good thing for the Flyers and they'll give them more perspective on where they need to go this offseason. You're on mute, by the way. Or, yeah, I can't hear you, at least. Yeah, yeah, I was on mute. Whoop, that's all right. <laughs> Uh, I'm fighting my allergies, so I don't want to cough into our it's list. It's that time of year. Here. I just got over yeah. it, too. You know, I, mean, I had no voice a couple weeks ago, and now, you know, here we go. It, it happens. Uh, speaking of, we were on staying on Kevin Hayes for a moment. Um, I just looked this up because I was curious because I know it's been a long time. Uh, we have played 75 games here. We just lo- They just lost to Pittsburgh, obviously, at home. Uh, in Pittsburgh, I mean, excuse me. Uh, that was game 75. 
When was the last Kevin Hayes goal? Oh, God. I would say probably about 20 games ago at least. 20. Yeah. I say it's been a while since I've seen his name on the score sheet. Yeah. He he has a couple points. He has a couple assists in that time. Uh, Let's see if I can do quick math here. One, two, three, four, five, six assists. That's not doable at all. And I know we've talked about it. Like he's not playing his real position in a centerman, but he's also not a centerman under the tutelage of John Torella's system. So he's stuck in this kind of just purgatory, I guess, for a lack of a better phrase. I'm just no man's land, I guess, of just this is who he is under this team. This, this, you coach. hope you can get, you can get, three more goals out of him because then he's a 20 goal score to be a little <laughs> maybe a little bit easier to to I, to I don't think they're gonna have trouble moving Hayes I really don't I think he still has value he he is not he has some term uh left on his contract like he's not he, it's becoming a little bit friendlier uh in terms of that cap hit so I don't think they'll have too much I'm not expecting blue chip talent obviously you're gonna get a low end high value prospect, but you're not, I don't know about that, but I mean, here's the craziest thing about Kevin Hayes. Okay. He hasn't scored in a while, but in 75 games, he has 53 points. Um, for him, that's almost a career high. So like he's got his, his, his career high is 55 points, but that was in 1819. He had 42 with the Rangers and 13 with the Jets. But that's why. Yeah. But I mean, and he's this is the most games is almost the most amount of games he's played his career. He's played 79, 79, 76, 76 and started his career. He's almost he'll, he'll probably get close to that, you know, um, get close to that mark. But, you know, he could pot a few more goals and be a 20 goal score and have some odd 50 points and break his record. It'd be crazy in a season like this. And you're right. Like you said, he does add value. But they they I, Tortorella doesn't trust them as a center. Here. He does not. And that's evident by the fact he's been playing him on the wing. So if that's the case, you don't have depth up the middle here, you know, but at the same time, you're trying to clear up salary space because, you know, you expect Kateria back next season and you probably expect a guy like, you know, Noah Cates to really jump into that role. Or you find somebody where you make a trade and you're making a move. Maybe you get a young center or something along those lines from in a trade that you make in the offseason for like someone who could be on the move, like an Ivan Provorov or something. So there's a lot there that what it is, but I think the idea of Tortorell sitting up there in that box and looking at it and saying, okay, we can't use Hayes at center. I don't like what he said. This is what I need out of a center. This is what I want to coach out of a center. Those conversations type happening. And then maybe you can maybe even pull someone like maybe Jack Roslovich from, from Columbus. I know that uh, it's, it's been, it's been moved around, but Hayes going to Columbus. It, you get maybe Jack Roslovich. That I think that would be a pretty, pretty solid move for the flyers. There if they could do that. I don't know if it's possible, but if you can if you can swing it, you probably you probably be in pretty good shape there. Yeah. Uh, well, as Torts tried to do this view from the high and and the low, apparently he was on Saturday against Buffalo. He was down watching in the locker room. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what value that adds because you're probably watching from a TV screen. I don't I don't know what the I didn't read the article that by, I'm assuming COC on the yeah. Athletic. Um, I don't know. Like that, that just seems odd. It's not odd. You know what? It's, it's odd in the sense that you don't see it often. I mean, but I think it's really good for a Tortorella to be like, you know what? Let me take a step back. You coach the range. You take over. You be the head. You know, it's a different, different look for the players as well. Because think about it from this perspective. Tortorella 
said he stayed one year too long in Columbus. And I believe their assistant took over when Tortorella left. The idea is to give your assistants also a little bit of experience behind the bench because there's some guys who are just assistant coaches. They're not head coaches. Uh, Wayne Cashman was a great example of that here in Philadelphia 20 years ago. He was a great, um, you know, a great assistant coach, but he wasn't a great head coach. Craig Ramsey, kind of the same thing a little bit too. Um, So, you know, the idea of giving Brad Shaw a little bit of a chance to kind of get back behind the bench and kind of, you know, grow a little bit and and, and take on a, a whole game on his own. And from that way, it's not a bad thing. You're just developing it because guess what? If Tortorella says maybe two years from now, he's like, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to move on. And the Flyers don't want to go outside the box. They have someone, a candidate, who can take over the head coaching reins with, similar, with a similar style, similar perspective, and all that stuff. I don't see anything wrong with it. I actually give Tortorella a lot of credit for actually giving other people a chance to, to learn uh, under his tutelage. I think it's very respectful, and I think it's really good that um, – you give people an opportunity to grow and learn. And I think it's huge, absolutely huge, especially in today's game. So I don't see anything wrong with it at all. It's, it's unorthodox. Absolutely it is. But I don't see a problem with it at all. But what what was not unorthodox is his immediate return to the bench after those two straight losses. And obviously they lost against Pittsburgh. Uh, but that, it was the first game, obviously. It wasn't against Buffalo. But the Ottawa game was just psychotic. Like five shots in the middle of the third or 15 minutes after into the third. Like it was just a disgusting game. Nick Delorier had, I think, two fights, like several fights, it seemed. Uh, it, it, it's always the Senators, too. And it's, but then they make a comeback. They force an overtime. They get an overtime point. They lose an overtime. And I don't know. Like I see that kind of stuff. And, Maybe it's my new generation of hockey in me where we don't see these kind of things happening anymore. I just, I don't see it good for hockey anymore. These kind of events where it becomes just kind of a scrap of who's going to put the body on the next guy. And I think even Giroux of all people got decked by, it might've been Delorier actually. Um, And it's just like, what, what is happening? Like, it's very odd, and I don't know. Like, if, if the Flyers and Senators were in the same division, all bets would be off. Like, that would be a great in-division rivalry uh, that the NHL should market. God forbid they try and market some teams together outside of Pittsburgh and Washington, but I digress. Like, I don't know. It, it just seems bad for hockey, Not not especially as the ratings continue to tank as they are. Well, here's how I look at it, is that – you look at it where the game got a little out of hand. You know, it started off with the, you know, the, um, with, uh, what's called the Brinkett and Farabee, and then it was Deluria and Castellick. Arston Watson got involved in that. The Flyers had too many men in the lace penalty. And then uh, Lawton and Brunstrom went for uh, for roughing. Like, there's a lot that went on with it. I, I think that every once in a while it is good to have an old school game like that, especially this time of year, because think of it from this perspective is that, you know, Ottawa's still in the punt for the playoffs. And not and, and and the and the Flyers play a tough game. They really do. It may not look like it on the score sheet some nights, but they're hard to play against. But when you do that in a team, it, the emotions went high because think of it. There's a lot of pressure on the on the on the Senators too. The Flyers are kind of back down, and the Senators have a lot of pressure because they have a high payroll and they're trying to make the playoffs. So, but I think there's two things of this game that are really just the weirdest anomaly I've ever seen. I mean, 
if you look at the Flyers shooting percentage from this game, it, it's it's ridiculous. It's they scored on thirty six point four percent of their shots. <laughs> Think about this. Okay, <laughs> they had they had a, they had eleven <laughs> shots on goal for the entire game, including the overtime. Think about this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this stat. It's gonna be insane. Wade Allison had one shot on goal. Noah Cates had two shots a goal and shot at 50% because he scored on one of them. Tony D'Angelo had one shot on goal, 100% shooting percentage. <laughs> Joel Farabee, one shot. Morgan Frost, one shot. Scott Lawton, one shot. Ivan Provorov, I'm sorry, Rasmus Ristolainen, one shot. Owen Tippett, one shot. 100% shooting percentage because he scored a goal. JVR, one shot. And Cam York, one shot on goal, 100% shooting percentage. So, this is one of those games, and I tell people, and this is what I understand. Like, I don't think Sandstrom, I thought Sandstrom played well. Anytime you stop 41 shots and 40, 40, uh, 41 saves and 46 shots, it's pretty good. The overtime goal was just absolutely absurd, um, and that happens. It sucks the way it did, but the great play by DeBrinket to read that play. I, you know, I don't know why. Someone must have yelled him to play it back. And he did, or he misheard him or something, because he had plenty of time to get the puck in front of him to clear it out of the zone. But the Brinkett was right on his backhand. Anyway, I digress. I think what cracks me up the most is that you notice games and Carter Hart doesn't get a lot of action and shots on goal, how he kind of gets beat on a little more. Cam Talbot made seven saves on 11 shots. <laughs> I mean... That's that's absolutely garbage. I mean, his save percentage was six thirty six. <laughs> I it look Cam Talbot, it, Philadelphia Flyer legend. How first of all, I I I said to my buddy, I was watching this game, and I'm like, how do they have nine shots on goal and they're within a goal? Like I, I'm like, they have eleven shots on goal and they tied it. Like that is, it shows first of all how hard that that, that, that how bad that that uh, the audible wanted it, but it also shows. When goalies don't get a lot of action, you kind of tend to overplay the puck a little bit because when you come back in your own zone as the defense too, you're kind of overthinking it because when you're in the offensive zone and you have, you know, you're um, you're you're cycling the puck really well, you get what's called flow. And flow is very important in hockey. We've talked about it in the past. Flow, flow, and flow. Not the progressive insurance lady, the actual like flow of the game here. <laughs> So when the flow of the game is out, I learned that very well by, by Caius coach Chris Bradley. Really, as a goalie, you don't really see it that much, but then you understand the flow. It's really important because that's when you get rhythm and that's when things start happening and everything's good. But what happens is that when you get into that flow and teams break out on the rush the other way or whatnot or get one or two chances, a lot of times they end up in your net because you're so you're not settled back there and you're not settled in your own end. So... That's you know crazy. What, you know what it crazy. reminds me of? Cam Talbot reminds me of, guys, I'm so bored from not having enough action. Yeah, Mighty Ducks. Act- <laughs> from yeah, from, from Mighty Ducks in D3. I'm so bored. And they get, they get, yeah, that's what happens. Like People think it's a joke. It's ex- That's what happens. I mean, look, I can tell you I've been in games where I've been like, oh, my God. Like There was one time I was in a game. And I'm telling you, I used to – sometimes I, I'll chug a Red Bull like a half hour before a game to get jacked up and ready to roll. And I – I was so – and it was a late game on a Friday night. And we're playing a team that they they just, for whatever reason, they weren't I, – I literally went through until like three minutes left in the first period before I got my first shot on goal. I'm jacked up. I'm jacked up. Well, guess what? <laughs> guess what happened in the second period? 
their first two of the three shots they scored on me. We were up like five nothing at this point. But first two or three shots they scored on me because I was just so jacked up. I wasn't settled in, you know, all that. But that's what happens. And I, I laughed at it because I'm like, this is classic. People are going to think, wow, this goalie really sucks because he only gave, gave up. He had 11 shots. He just couldn't stop four of them. Like, you get, you, it, but that's what happens, man. That's what happens. It's crazy how this game works. Uh, before we get into the two uh, injury fronts with Coots and TK, I want to obviously remind everyone, this episode, as always, is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings Sportsbook. From tea to green, the best place to go to get in on all of the action happening on the links is DraftKings Sportsbook. This week, new customers will receive an odds boost to add plus 1,000. 1000 to any pre-tournament wager up to $10 on any golfer to win. So, for example, if you're a new customer and you see a golfer to win the tournament at plus 1,000 odds, DraftKings will boost that to plus 2,000 odds for your shot at an even bigger payout. Just incredible stuff from our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long. So be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day before the tournament starts to see what they have in store. I, I mean, if it's already started, but you can look into Rory. Uh, I like his odds. Uh, next coming up is the PGA Championship. It's always good stuff uh, where you can bet. But all happening over on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN and boost your odds during the weekend's tournament. That. Code is THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You can see all of the legal dis- disclaimers in the description below. Coots, shut down for the season, despite a couple of weeks ago we were told that he would try and make an, an attempt to return. And it seemed like at the time, obviously Fletcher was still the GM. I was wondering if that was going to be, we, we've debated this till the cows came home about this and now they made it official shut him down for the rest of the season disappointing coots who thought he was going to come back because he was skating with the team um look this is the right move i I, we don't have to keep going into this roundabout debate that you and i have had no i want to get right into the debate i think that i I think our listeners want to hear me talk about the same thing over and over and over again i think they really would appreciate (laughs) it look i don't agree with it this is me i don't agree with it i understand it and I, I get it, and I totally know why the reason they would do it. I just don't fully agree with it because I think from a Russ perspective, it could be detrimental to him. But at the same time, I, I think that it's more important to Tortorella for him to coach him the right way and have him prepared fully for a full season when everybody's coming in about the same. So I respect it. That's why I'm saying I, I don't agree with it, because if I if I if I were behind that bench, I'd be like, get him in for a couple of games. Let's, let's get him back in. But I don't think they want to confuse him with any, you know, how. Because it seems like to me, it seems like from what I understand, because it sent obviously Tortorella really values at center his centers, which he which he should. That's why he moved set yeah, Hayes I mean, in the wing. Besides your goalie, probably your most important correct. Player. Yeah, I would say you you know your second most important player on the ice. You know, I would I would absolutely say that. Um, but I think that they don't want to rush him back. And I don't think, you, you know, Tortorella probably looking at it as like, you know what, you could, but there's no point because you're not going to get the assignments right or whatever you want to need you to do. And yeah, you get back on a game speed, but come in fresh next season to make sure you're, you're good to go. And 
you know what? I don't again. I don't agree with it, but it, it that's fine. He's the coach, and I respect the fact that they want to take that thing. And, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's honestly, there, I'm not, I'm not going to get in a debate with it. There's nothing wrong with Look, it. Look, if it was any other injury than the back, I think he would be playing this season. But because we're we're not just talking about the back, but we're talking about a back that has had now two surgery surgeries on it, it just makes too, too much sense to let him coast the rest of the season. He can pra- I don't know if he can practice or anything. I'm sure shutdown is full blown shutdown and all that good stuff. Get him back at the at the at, 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 in the summer and get him ready for training camp. Like that's really all you can do um, for a back injury like that. But on the other side, you have a guy like TK who had a shoulder injury and he's reactivated and his impact is immediately felt despite losses. I mean, goals in both Buffalo and Pittsburgh games. Um, I mean, <laughs> we're looking we're. <laughs> Torres is up there looking for uh, who to who to shed t- trim fat from. He sees a guy like TK and just goes, "How do I build off this?" I, I like that's really that's really what it comes down to. It's him. Same with I know we we talked about it too, but he's down in uh, Lehigh now. But Tyson Forrester is getting that same treatment. How can I build off this? TK is that veteran who is potentially a true goal scorer that they're just trying to figure out. How do we build off of it? And good, for, and it's nice that he's that that they're not he's not wasting the time he's been awarded back basically because they could have just shut him down for the season, Treat, given him the coots treatment despite it being a shoulder, and said no, we don't want to take the risk and see what you do with it. Agreed. And listen, you know that's I think that they're trying to develop Konechny into a a leader of this locker room, and he's played enough this season where. You get him back in a lineup to help the lineup to see where else he could fit at. Because listen, even so, you're still tinkering this time of year and figure out what's going on. You got to find out if 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 Konechny's a guy you're keeping or if it's a guy you're going to look to move on from. So I think with someone like him, you know, you're not moving on from Terry. You're not doing that. He's your best player all around, regardless. I don't think he, I. I also like. I think it's tough to add trade value to him right now because of that back. Well, yeah, and that's my point. That's like that's another reason. Like overall, he's been your best player for a while. You value him like that. And you secondly, could argue he's been one of the best players since 2012 when he no, entered, correct. He has entered the league. 100%. Like, yeah. 100%, especially on this roster. You know, he just doesn't have the star power like people do. Or any, but, you know, people outside of this market don't understand how good Chunk Terry actually is. But that's the thing is that... Well, he's he, won a couple Selkies, so... Right. A Selkie, yeah. I mean, a Selkie, uh, sorry. But that's the thing is that, you know, they, they value him like a Patrice Bergeron in Boston. Like, Bergeron, like, you know, I, I, you would put him in that that second tier of NHL stars, you know what I mean? And Marshan would probably be more, uh, if you said pick one player from Boston, most people would probably say Marshan uh, over over Bergeron. So that's my point. But Couturier, you know, you're not, the point is you're not moving off Couturier. You're trying to see if Konechny is something you're going to work with. Him. Because here's the thing. If Konechny has taken a step up in his game like he has this season and continues it on to next season, then you got to figure out when his contract is up, he's going to be owed a raise. Or is he really going to be worth seven something million dollars? So that's another thing if financially you got to figure out too if you're keeping him. I don't think the Connecticut goes this summer, but it might be something where next summer that might be a question if he has, and especially if he can, if you have Owen Tippin in the wings who's played as well as he's, he's, he has. So um, I like that TK's back, and I like the fact that they're still using him and, and that he's, he's taken a different role and played a lot better than what I've seen him play in the past. So I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, final thing uh, there. We talked about it again earlier uh, in this season, but it seems like it's going to be official uh, change is not just coming to the front office. Apparently 
It's coming out right directly on the ice. Going back to the 1982 to 2007, I think, uh, or maybe a little earlier, um, uniforms, sweaters, home and away, with the traditional shade of orange that the Flyers had back then. I think this is a great move because statistically, you had more success under these sweaters anyway. So go with the right mojo and juju. Listen, I've been complaining for the longest time that they need to do something different because these uniforms they have have just screamed the mediocre era of the Flyers. I never want to see them again. Besides this black one, because it's really awesome with the color and the swatches and stuff. So I agree. That one or the 2012 against the Rangers uh, winter classic. Give me the reverse retro full time. That was a sick jersey. Give me not not the white one, the orange one. Not the the one with the Cooper Alls this year. This one this year was These are trash. These are trash. So... The fact that they're going back to the older colors is really good. The fact that there may be a different jersey design is really good. And I think that that kind of flows into what they're going into right now is that it's a different era for the Flyers. You know, Dave Scott's moved on. Chuck Fletcher's moved on. They're looking to do something different because when you look at those old uniforms, you're going to think they were shit because they were shit and they were shit for a long time. You know, you move on from the white uniforms that you have since Winter Classic 2010 which were great back then, but now they're stale. You know, that's the thing is that when you have these things for too long, they kind of get stale, which is like no disrespect to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, When you have, you know, for so long, and I know it was the helmet rule, but like now you're going to go back to Kelly Green at some point. You know what I mean? Like when they introduced the black jerseys, that was awesome. You know what I mean? The black jerseys with the green pants. and You know, for a while it was getting stale, but you've had, it got a little stale with the midnight green. Now you're going to have the Kelly Green, but people are just like, oh my God, it's coming back. It's great. I can't wait for that's exactly what you need with this kind of thing as well. With the Phil- like, look at the Phillies when they have the the, the old burgundy jerseys and the, and the baby blue. Like people love that stuff. Like the, bringing back the older stuff after a certain amount of time. Which even these jerseys are designed to that because they're based upon the original jerseys from when they started, just a different color. But you know, with the white with the with the white jersey, the orange shoulder and the and the orange band at the bottom. You know, that's how they were. Now that they're moving on to different colors and going back to where they were a couple of 20 years ago, like that that's going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be great to see a new uniform come out. And, you know, now you can get a jersey at the Wells Fargo Center 50% off because they're trying to blow them out for next season. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, I, I know I said it was the final thing, but I just saw this from the New York Times. Uh, so Sunday night, uh, I don't know if you knew this, Scott, was the women's NCAA basketball final, LSU yeah. against Iowa. They released the ratings. How many people they and it was on the same network that owns the rights to the NHL now, ESPN. How many people watched the game for the NCAA women's final? I'm gonna go. Are you talking people or households? Uh how many viewers? An average viewer of what amount? I'm gonna say six million viewers. Higher, 9.9 million average viewers. That's great. That is great. Is it, though? How many people, wait, because it's not bad. Like I'm happy for them, but this is where it's bad. The Stanley Cup final, game six of this year, 2022, had how many viewers, Scott? Yeah, probably like two. 5.8. So not terrible. But not great either. Like, yeah, that I mean, is a who, significant and difference. And probably mostly in Colorado because who the hell wants to watch hockey in Florida? Sorry, I'm just making a point. It's the truth. No, you're right. Like, this is – that's but that's the problem the NHL has. Like, 
They are losing. They are on the mothership of sports, whether you that people want to agree with it or not. It's ESPN, and they're still not getting the numbers. We're already talking about how soccer is nipping at their heels, if not surpass them. Uh, pickleball. God knows what's going to happen when ESPN continues to show more pickleball finals with Andy Roddick and 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 uh, some other famous former famous tennis stars like. NHL's in trouble, and Gary Bettman's just like, whatever the ratings are, the ratings. Right, right. Uh, listen, I, 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 I'm not. It, it, we, I think the problem is too is like we've talked about it plenty of times. The league has a lot of problems of how they do this stuff. Uh, I think that there's a lot to look into it, but also like you know, you're not going to tune into a game on a on a Tuesday night between you know uh, Columbus and and Florida Panthers. Sorry, nobody gives a shit. Nobody flat out gives shit. Unless you're in Canada. And even then, you probably don't give a shit, especially if Toronto's on, because you want to be like, oh, my God, Toronto, they're amazing. And yet they're going to play Toronto at the Tampa again in the first round. They're going to friggin' lose again. Had to get my Toronto dig in there. Sorry. It's always always, (laughs) got to end on Toronto. (laughs) Got to end on Toronto. All right. That's going to do it. Episode 148 of Orange and Back Check. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on our social platforms. All in the description below, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of it. Make sure you follow in the description below. Until then, we'll catch you next time. John Tortorella watches the game from the high high. Oh, oh God, my allergies. Yeah. Good Lord. Wow, Bill. What a start. That was terrible. It was my. It, I didn't mean to do anything. It was my goddamn allergies. What do you, What do you want from me?